Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this first day of the week together in your house with one another and under the sound of your word. But Lord, we ask specifically today that you help us remember you as you've asked us to do when we observe communion. Lord, we we thank you for the place in which you've put us and for last week, looking forward to a, a fresh week today from the vantage point of Sunday. But Lord, may you clear from our thoughts any distractions and may this time together in your house be used for your glory and not our own. We thank you for the truth of those words And Lord, we thank you for the the comfort of one another's fellowship. But we ask all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. It was good to see each of you. Always good to see your faces. And uh, would like to welcome you to church this morning at Wake Chapel. And for any of you that are visiting with us, perhaps uh, as a guest... Uh, We're delighted to have you, and then uh, the majority of us that join from their homes over the live stream, we're glad to have you here as well. Today is a special Sunday only because we're going to do something we haven't done for 10 months and 17 days. We're going to observe communion, and uh, I suppose it's fair to ask the question, well, why wait so long? Well, back on the 5th of January, the beginning of this year, 2020, there was a lot we didn't know about this year then. And by the time April would roll around, when we would have our next communion scheduled, and we do that quarterly here, we were not meeting together yet. There were about six of us or so that would get the live stream going, and this room was empty. That was quite an adjustment, but we were just trying to to get by really and make sense out of much confusion Um, I think July would have been our third and by then we were just beginning to meet back in person after a long uh, time of trying to figure out how to do that best and how to do that safely and how to distance ourselves correctly and so on and so forth October would have been our last but by then I think Uh, with the understanding that meaningful communion where we're together as a family and we do it right as we know and understand it to be prescribed in Scripture is certainly worth its weight as far as time. We have no idea how much longer we'd be waiting. Uh, This could go on and on. We're, We're just not sure. So... The original concern from the beginning still uh, would guide our method of choice for today. And that is, can we do this in a way where any one of our members who want to participate can participate if they want to without having to come to this room to do so if they did not want to do that? So although we may be in different places this morning, we'll all do this at the same point in time uh, with an electronic connection at least one way. And I think that checks the box of doing the best 
we can with what we've got under the circumstances we find ourselves in. So that's the plan this morning. And um, I thought I would just a, a word about these things. Um, to use the word convenience along with something like communion just seems to be a poor choice of words. Uh, but to do this in a way where where it was safe to do it, this seemed to be the best choice. Um, this has got both the wafer, the bread, and the juice together with a... a I, I guess the best way to describe this is a, a two-layered lid. Now, the easy thing to do, is, which would be a mistake, is to just take this and pull it off. What you'll do is you'll pull off the wafer with the lid that covers the juice. And then you'll be holding the juice, trying not to spill it while you correct uh, the mistake. So what we'll do, <laughs> this is not meant to be funny. Um, we'll get into the first one. And what I've done is pulled mine back and folded it so I can separate the two. And we'll do that first, we'll pray, then we'll get into the other. And what I found when I, I troubleshot this to start with, pulling the whole lid off separate, uh, that last little piece, it, it, it's kind of a, a jolt, and it, it's a risk of spilling. My suggestion would be just pull it most of the way back and leave it attached, and then you'll be able to put the whole piece back in the space where you found it in the back of your pew. So, with, with, with that said, um, we're all together. We're in God's house on the Lord's Day, spread apart, but gathered for communion. I think it is worth our time and certainly worth our interest and for the glory of God to rehearse what we're doing. It's been ten months plus. And it's always a, a good choice to understand the what and the why behind anything that we're doing. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, you've got the story of uh, the, the Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, don't turn there. You know the story. Turn to Corinthians 11. That's where we'll be here in a moment. But you've got the situation where Philip is led by the Spirit to approach a man and ask him this opening question. Do you understand what you're reading? You know that story. Uh, the King James puts it, understandeth what thou readest. But the point was, he needed to know what he understood and what he didn't in order to teach him what he needed to know in order to be born again. Very good question. And it's always a good question to ask any time we're in this room studying the Scriptures. If we ask it every single week we're here, it wouldn't be enough. We just keep asking it to make sure we do understand what we're doing. So communion is one of two ordinances uh, that are given to the church by Jesus. The other is baptism. And there's been situations where we've gone uh, through a service and had both communion and baptism at this, in the same service. Um, Augustine described these as outward and visible signs of an inward and spiritual grace. I like the word that he used there as a sign. Don't remember if you uh, recall the, the illustration of the sign off of I-40 pointing to Fuquay Varina off 42. 
and how I spent most of my life having no idea what Fuquay Varina was all about. I knew about the sign, but I didn't know about the town. This would be a sad situation to know all about this, but nothing of what it means or what it represents. So they're outward visible signs. Somebody walks in here, they can see we're going to be eating and drinking. Someone comes in and sees someone get wet in this pool. That's outward and visible. But there's so much more inwardly as far as understanding and what this means eternally. And to be sure, this ordinance and baptism as well is not something that men made up so they'd have something to do to make church seem extra churchy. That's not at all how that works. God gave us these. They're here by divine appointment. God gave us communion. He gave us baptism. And since they're His idea, we must do them His way. So again, why do we do this? Let me give you four. We've been through these before, but it's been some time. Uh, I think a couple of years ago when we looked at it from this perspective. But first is to obey. We observe communion to be obedient. This is what we're going to read later. It's familiar. This is 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We can stop right there. There's your command. Do this in remembrance of me. A lot of the uh, communion tables you'll see in sanctuaries across this land have that carved right into the front of them. This do in remembrance of me. So simplified, Jesus asked us to. That, that, that's enough to make it a commandment. And as such, it's not uh, necessarily uh, an option, but an obligation. Unlike baptism, this is a little different. We do baptism once. Communion's to be done with regularity and continuance. Once you start, you keep doing it. We're not told how often. Some churches do this every day. We do this quarterly. But what we should note with communion, same with baptism, they're not saving ordinances. This, this is not salvific. It, it's not a deal breaker as far as your entrance to heaven. In fact, you can go to heaven with neither having been baptized or ever being part of a communion service. Uh, we understand this best by the repentant thief on the cross. He didn't have time to do either. Um, but as a command, it's not a suggestion. We're commanded to do this. Every baptism service I ever saw as a child, my, my father always concluded the same way. This uh, is done in obedience to his command. That was the, the last words. Um, and it should be a matter of, of obedience. It's not something optional. Unless you're a dying thief on a cross, you, you, you get a pass. And there's some circumstances that make it where it would be impossible but we don't want to take that. We want to do what we're asked to do. Um, it's important also to say this because biblical commands just are not optional. That's number one, to obey. We do this in obedience. Second, we do this to remember. This do in remembrance of me. Uh, not a lot different from the Passover we understand in the Old Testament back from uh, Sunday school as children talking about the Passover and the Exodus. 
And uh, one of these communion services, we talked about the difference and the similarities with communion that we do on this side of the cross and Passover, which Jews did on the other side before the cross. Um, What was portrayed visibly in Passover with the things that they would eat and drink helped them make sense of what was told to them verbally over the generations. The same is true with what we're doing today. Same way when we pass around these things, the elements as they're called, it's a small visual representation for us what in reality is different from and far more significant. That's just why I I pause when I explain to think that the most precious thing we have going for us here in this life on this planet and through eternity, the death, burial, resurrection of our risen Lord is represented by so little. But that's all it's ever meant to be is a representation. The problem is when we want to make this more than it really is, which is just a way to point. So, and, and consequently, the reason why we usually teach our way through settings like this, to make sure we all know what's what, who's who, why, and how. This is not just church stuff. Number three, we're not just to obey and remember, but we're to preach. We do communion in order to preach. You didn't know when you got up this morning and got ready and came to church that you'd be doing the preaching, did you? It'd be a bad spot for somebody to have just started paying attention, wouldn't it? Uh, But that's what we're doing. It's called proclaiming. Let me show it to you. It's there in verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Proclamation is a way of preaching. So we preach the gospel by remembering that the Lord was provided as a substitute for the payment of our sins. And when we have these elements in our hands, we're not only remembering, but also proclaiming, preaching His work on our behalf. This is the way that, again, with the Passover, that over generations of time, without copies of the Bible, they would preach what God had done for them when He took them out of Egypt. Uh, At Easter, it's usually the Saturday before Easter when they show the Ten Commandments. They go through this where the little boy asks his uncle... I don't know if that's exactly how it happened, but it looked good on screen, didn't it? He asked, why are we eating bitter herbs? To remind us of the bondage. And what they're looking at through this Passover lamb is a, is a sacrifice that, that covers over their sins. Well, on the other side of the cross, we look at Jesus, who was the ultimate sin sacrifice, whose blood covers our sins. And just like they would preach to themselves every Passover, we're preaching to ourselves every time we remember these things. It's preaching. Whether or not you ever thought you did any preaching or not, it's a proclamation. And then fourthly, we do this to be watchful. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I think. To watch is more than just waiting it's, it's a longing, it's, it's, a, it's an anticipation, an expectation. And if you look back at that last phrase in verse 26, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. You've actually got past, present, and future all accounted for in that phrase. 
uh, to proclaim is what we're doing presently in this moment. And what we're proclaiming is Christ's death, which happened in the past. And we're to keep doing this until he comes, and that's the future. It could be today. Now, if you consider that, we're able to know through communion, as far as our past is concerned, that Christ has provided forgiveness through his death. As far as our present is concerned, he's given us his word to tell us the truth, and so we'll know actually what we're doing this morning, but also with the fellowship of one another to do it with. And then as far as our future is concerned, he gives assurance of our home in heaven because he's coming back. You've got all four, past, present, and future. We do this to obey, we do this to remember, we do this to preach, and we do this to be watchful. So let me read to you the passage that we so often use for this. And we'll start putting our mind and our heart in the, in the right place to observe communion. We're going to have a time where we'll have some music from the piano and some silence otherwise for you to pray We're going to sing a song before we actually go through verses 23, 24, 25, and 26. And then we'll conclude with a hymn, as is our tradition, which was actually started by Jesus and his disciples when they left the room. They sang a hymn. But let me read to you from the larger context. And uh, most communion services, they don't read the whole passage. There's a reason why I think it might be beneficial to read the whole thing this morning. We'll see that at the end. But look at verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Because when you came together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. So you've got Paul saying it'd be better off if you just didn't do that at all. Verse 18, for in the first place... When you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. The church is is divided here. They've got different understandings of the way things ought to be done or what's more important or which is best, which is worst. And I believe it in part, verse 19, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Well, they thought they were, but he's saying it's not at all. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. And that might be indication for some of you who are not familiar with this passage. You go, okay, I get his point. Then in verse 22, what with an exclamation point? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. And then from verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. And then we just finished in verse 26. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Look at verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread... Or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. What he's been talking about is an unworthy manner. He will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. Verse 28. Then, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. So he's saying that there needs to be a time of examination. 
We're going to have time to do just that. Verse 29, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning or understanding or, or, or knowing what this means, the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Now that's what had happened. I'm sure it could happen again. Uh, do I know of any cases where somebody took communion the wrong way and died as a result? No. I'm glad that's the Lord's business. But the warning's still here. Uh, the technical term for that is inscripturated. <laughs> this, is, this is in the Bible. Don't do this the wrong way. But if we judge ourselves truly, that means if you examine yourselves, you don't need to be judged. That's the judgment process itself. The Lord will bring to your heart what needs to be confessed. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. To find that there's something you need to confess is not a bad thing. It means that you're on the right side and not condemned to the world. Verse 33. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, and that's the Lord's Supper, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry... Let him eat at home. If, if you're looking to make a meal out of this, do that at home. It's a better place to do it. So that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. In other words, it won't be wrong. About the other things, I will give direction when I come. So some of the things he needed to talk to them, he didn't want to put in print. But look at that again. So, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. There's a lot packed away in there, I'm sure. Commentaries have their ideas as to what is, is meant by wait for one another. But contextually, if you look up at that first paragraph, nobody's waiting on each other. In fact, those that have a lot have a party, and those who have little are uh, considered poor. Do you despise the church? God and humiliate those who have nothing. There's a lot of running over others, it seems. This is a bad case. And, and, and it's, it, it actually deserves this treatment here. He's correcting a, a severe issue that's gone wrong and not the day before. It's been going wrong for a while. But his remedy for that is wait for one another. I don't often bear my heart up here uh, only because I, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. But one of the most, not just frustrating, but, but depressing things about this year since the spring having to do with this church which I have grown to love in ways I could never have articulated before I knew you. It's been tough to wait on each other. Because we got different ideas, don't we? All over the spectrum. For some it's too fast. For some it's too slow. For some it's in the middle and you decide. It's been tough. And... and, and if we want to say, okay, here it comes, we're, we're going to get the, 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 no, 
What's going on in verses 17 through 22 is what we all do by default. We want what we want first, and we'll give others what they get second. That's just the way things go. We'll always opt for our opinion first. But what Paul is saying here, when you do what Jesus asked you to do, to remember me, the last thing you want to do is remember just yourselves. That's what they were doing. And that's what we do very well. We'll remember ourselves if we forget everybody else. That's what he's saying. Wait for them. Don't forget the rest of the family. Don't forget the purpose for all this. To gather together and remember the best thing you've got and the reason why you know each other to start with as a family because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Wait for one another. I think that's the question. It was for me. How are you doing on waiting on one another? I don't think when we get to glory, the big test for Wake Chapel will have been, how did you score on knowing everything you could know about that virus? How it did its stuff and how you could prepare and risk management and all that was very important. I don't think that's the test. I think the test is, did you stick together as a family? Did you wait on one another? Were you kind to one another? Were you patient with one another? Did you love one another? Just because things are not convenient never lets us off the hook for being faithful. Right? We've got to worry about making stuff convenient that was never meant to be convenient to start with. And spending time with people, the busier we get, is the most inconvenient thing this fast world has ever seen. Spending time with your church is inconvenient. And in 2020, so much more. So I think our time of examination this morning should include the things that we just get dirty with just being ourselves. With desperately wicked hearts we can't even know as sinners. But as a body, gathered in here and gathered in your homes, let's examine whether or not we've been waiting on one another. There's probably going to be a little bit more waiting before we get back into the swing of things. And all for the purpose to make sure we remember Jesus as he asked us to do so. So I'm going to take a seat here in just a moment. We're going to have a time of prayer, reflection. David's going to play on the piano. After a space of time, he's going to lead us in when I survey the wondrous cross. We'll then observe communion and we'll sing a song and be on our way. And uh, for the time being, let's, uh, before the Lord, search our hearts. We usually mention at the outset that it is the understanding and belief of, of Wake Chapel that though some churches would consider communion to be something closed to their membership only, We do not necessarily see it that way, uh, but rather call it close communion. In other words, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are welcome and invited to observe the Lord's table with us. But 
If that's not something you can say with assurance, maybe some of these things are new to you, the better thing would be just to let this pass. There'll be other times I'm sure we can do this together. Same goes with children. Their parents know them best, and that would be their judgment call. Other than that, or being under the discipline of another church, uh, we would gladly welcome you to participate with us except for that one situation. Let me read to you, and, and what we'll do, I'll read this, we'll open this package, and then we'll pray before we take this. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you Do this in remembrance of me. And when you have that, let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we are guided by your word. We thank you for its truth. We understand what we are doing here because of your direction. And Lord, we ask that you help us, not only in our faith, but our remembrance of all we know to be true of you from your word, to think that you, the Son of God, would give your body over to be broken in our place, to receive the wrath of your Father, not for your sins, but ours. Lord, we ask that you press upon us the significance of these things all for the purpose of proclaiming your death till you come back Lord forgive us of our sins the very thing that made necessary your sacrifice wash us clean keep us clean may we keep short sin accounts And may even on a day like this, we lay it all open before you. If we will confess our sins, the scripture says, you are faithful and just to forgive us. Lord, we ask your blessing on this tiny piece of bread, which represents so much. We ask this in your name. Amen. Verse 25. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. And again, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this representation of your blood poured out on Calvary for our sins. And Lord, I ask your blessing now on this church. Not only its ability to tell the world about these things we know to be true, but Lord, that you would bless this family with such a responsibility. 
thinking about home as a child and trying to do something special for my mother and father. Lord, it didn't mean the same thing if we were fussing among ourselves. Lord, I ask that you would give this church a unity. A unity not dissimilar from the unity between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's what you've been teaching us in John. Lord, I ask that you'd give us the patience to wait for one another. Not to do so would make this smaller. To remember you would not be as special as you've asked us to do so. So Lord, after waiting, we ask that you be pleased in our obedience. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Verse 26. For as oft as you eat this bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It has been done as the Lord commanded. Thank you for your, your patience. I think, I think this worked well. We're going to close with a hymn as we usually do. I know we've just prayed twice, but let me pray one more time. Father in heaven, this may seem like something small, but Lord, in our memory and as far as your glory, make it something big. May we understand what glory is to make a big deal. Help us make a big deal out of you and certainly not of ourselves. Thank you for this time to do this together. Those of us in this room, those gathered where they are. Lord, I just wanted one more time to say thank you for this. We ask this in your name. Amen.